Welcome to the Generations Church Podcast. This is Brian Nugent, and I'm the pastor at Generations Church. Thanks for listening today. We hope this message is an encouragement and blessing to your life. For more information about Generations Church and its ministries, check out our webpage at gctlh.org or follow us on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and Twitter. If you've got your Bibles, uh, turn to Ezekiel 37 and then 2 Kings 20, really 22. So I'm going to refer to Ezekiel just for a moment, and but then we're really going to be in 2 Kings uh, 20, 22. <clears throat> this is the second part. Uh, we're kind of in our 21-day theme and come alive uh, is, our, is our theme for this 21 days. And uh, so uh, the message this morning, it's just going to be about the word, the power of the word. So we do this emphasis every year and uh, we do it a little differently, but we want to see, you know, uh, just starting the new year off by resetting priorities and reestablishing focus on spiritual things. So we hope that you are participating with this. So this past week, our first week was an emphasis on prayer. And every day you got an email, social media. Our Wednesday night prayer was just focused on praying, different topics uh, to pray about. I preached last week about prayer. Uh, what are the some of the causes of prayerlessness? We're too busy, not sure what to say. It's a burden. It's boring. My prayers seem powerless. And then I gave 10 reasons why you should pray. 10 reasons why you should pray. If you missed that, go, go uh, catch back up with what we did last week. Uh, this week, as I said, our emphasis on scripture reading this morning. So when you came in, you should have received a devotional. It is of the book of Philippians. And we want you to, we want to go through this as a church. All right? So it's the entire book. We appreciate Brad Nestor and helping us with this project. So you read a chapter, then you read the devotion. It's got some lines, some questions at the end. But as a church this week, uh, we want to read through that. So it's online, our website, our app. So you can find that. They have some more copies of these if you did not get this. But this week, let's read through the book of Philippians. If you're doing the, I'm reading through the one year, man, you can let your New Testament reading this week be, be Philippians. But we want to focus on God's word. Also, if you are reading through the Bible in a year, Brad referenced, I want to congratulate you. Stay, just keep reading. You may go, I'm a little bit behind. That's okay. I'm two days behind and I'm the pastor, okay? But what I, what I want to say to you is just keep reading, even if you find yourself behind, because I said last week, I'm going to give you some catch-up, a time to kind of catch up. So we're going to get into Exodus, and once you get to Exodus 16, you can skip, no, excuse me, no, 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 Exodus 26, you can skip all the way to Exodus 39. Now, there's value in God's Word. If you're one of these smart students and you're, you know, you're keeping up with the reading, then you just read, you know, but, but Exodus 26 through 39 is when Moses gets the blueprint for the tabernacle, all right, from the Lord. And then once he gets the blueprint of the tabernacle, he starts building the tabernacle, uh, and, and it's almost word for word, you know, so I just go, unless you love construction, you know, seeing how long the curtains are and how they should be made, if you want to read that, read that, but I am going to jump ahead, okay? 
I'm going to jump ahead. So just keep reading because throughout this year, we're going to have spots that you can kind of, that you can kind of catch up. So we're, we'll, the end of this month, we'll kind of get into Exodus. But once we get to 26 and 39, you can skip. Don't tell the Lord I said that, please. You know, there's value in all of God's word, but there are other things. I don't want you to be discouraged and, and just kind of drop out. So just know you can kind of catch back up. I got an email this week from Donna Cannon. Donna, raise your hand over here. Donna is participating in the 21 days. I want to read you with her permission. I want to read you what she sent me. She said, I have discovered a way to make myself accountable in this year-long reading. My mom and her sister are 90 and 92. They live in separate nursing facilities in Texas. Both were faithful students of the word until they no longer could see print. I started doing a conference call and reading Genesis and Matthew aloud to them. They love it, and I will be accountable to them daily to stay on track. I'm enjoying it so much, and I appreciate the opportunity. She's found a way to stay accountable, and then she concluded with this. However, you haven't lived until you've read about circumcision, fornication, nakedness, relationships in Sodom and Gomorrah, Lot's daughters giving birth to his children with to two women in their 90s, okay? <laughs> if you would like to uh, be a part of that call sometime, she can give you, uh, I think it would be interesting. So, uh, just keep reading. Just keep reading. Be faithful. Also this morning, our focus is on God's Word. And when you leave this morning, we have free resources for you. If you don't have, if you don't have a Bible, we have free NIV Bibles that you can go by and pick one up. We also have it in the message. If you, you know, if you want a little bit different version, it's free of charge. We have the story, which the Bible reads more like a novel. It's kind of a unique spin on the Bible, very interesting, kind of reads like a book. It's not necessarily all the chapters like we normally read. These are free. I've got Spanish Bibles out there as well. I have two little books that we give away all the time. One's called How to Study the Bible, the different ways to study the Bible, and one is called Know Your Bible. It is an introduction to every book of the Bible. To me, this is essential. This little book is essential. I'll talk about it later uh, when you read when you read the scriptures. So these are all free of charge. Go uh, go pick one up. If you don't have any of these resources, uh, you can go get one after church. Next week starts a week of fasting and prayer. So I want you to be thinking about your plan to separate, pull away, fast, pray the, the, the following week. So I just wanted to mention that to you as well. Ezekiel 37, we started with this last week. It's our theme for our Come Alive 21 Days. It's the vision that God showed, uh, God showed Ezekiel, the, the vision of the dry bones. A lot of you are familiar, you know, with that, you know, with that particular passage. So vision, uh, 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 God shows Ezekiel a vision of dry, dry bones and, you know, trying to come up with the significance of these bones. And it's, wow, it's like a, you know, like what kind of vision is that? Just a, a bunch of rotting corpses and, and bones and, um, you know, uh, and, and these bones were evidence that, you know, they were once alive with promise and purpose, okay? But something happened and they died. 
And the Lord asked Ezekiel, can these bones live? Can these bones live? And Ezekiel says, Lord, that is up to you. That would be a God thing. And God starts to, you know, or the, the angel starts to prophesy over those bones. And he says, dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. And he starts to, and those bones start coming together. And everything that had been undone starts to come back together. Skin, bones, it starts to, to come back together until there was an army ready to fight for the kingdom of God. And I just want to remind you this morning, regardless of what spiritual state that you are in, you need the word of the Lord, you need the presence of the Lord, and when they are applied to your life, you can actually come alive against, have a spiritual renewal in your life, a spiritual resurrection, but they don't come apart from the word of the Lord and the presence of the Lord. Okay, we need those in our life. So that's kind of, kind of our theme of those dry bones. He said, dry bones, come alive. And they, and they did. So I'm going to read this morning because we want to focus, we want to focus on the scripture <clears throat> this morning and I want to read out of uh, 2, Kings, uh, 2 Kings chapter 22. I want to talk this morning, and I want to reference Josiah, one of the kings of Judah. He had a come alive moment that I want you to see this morning. So Josiah was one of the kings. He was a divine right king when you know the fathers passed away the the eldest son became a, became a king and his unique story of, of kind of his past plays into his come alive moment so second corinthians excuse me second uh, kings 21 talks about his heritage now josiah comes from a terrible family a horribly evil family okay his grandfather was named Manasseh, and he was a terrible, uh, terrible person. Now, his Manasseh's dad was Hezekiah, who was a godly king that set up a godly reign during the history of Judah. But Manasseh comes in, and the and First Corinthians, First Corinthians, Second uh, Kings, Second Kings, twenty-one. I'll get it. He tells us that Manasseh he did evil in the sight of the Lord. Uh, he built high places, you know, like of, of worship of other gods. He even built altars of worship to other gods in the temple of the Lord, okay? That's big time. He built altars of worship inside the temple, okay? He sacrificed his own son in the fire, you know, as, as worship, he practiced divinations, he consulted mediums and spiritists, and, and his <clears throat> spiritual epitaph is that he did much evil in the eyes of the Lord, and he shed so much innocent blood that he filled Jerusalem end to end. This guy was evil. He was bad. His son was called Amnon, Josiah's father, all right? Amnon was evil as well. It says, he did evil in the eyes of the Lord as his father Manasseh had done. He followed completely the ways of his father, worshiping the idols his father had worshipped and bowing down to them. 
That is a haunting verse to every father. That is a haunting verse that, that, this, that this man followed the, the evil choices and the evil path of, of his father. He followed completely, it says, the ways of his father, worshiping the idols his father had worshipped. So Amnon, he forsook the Lord. He didn't try in any way to walk in obedience. And he was so evil that eventually the people around him assassinated Amnon. He died because he was a evil, horrible character. He died. And that's when we come up to Josiah. Josiah is eight years old. When he becomes king. He's eight years old when he becomes king. Now let me just ask you, for those of you, you know, that that don't have a perfect family. Do you come from a family that has made bad choices or has a bad reputation? Is that that your family? When you read, hear about Manasseh and Amnon, is, is that you? You look back through your spiritual heritage and it's all of maybe evil and, 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 and very little when it comes to God and, and serving God. And uh, maybe you come from a, you just go, man, my family's crazy. My family's crazy. My family's a Christian family, but they're crazy. I just want to tell you that. You know, but there's some, you just look at my family and go, there's nothing but moral chaos. It's just all bad news. All right? Just all bad. And I want to tell you, society says that you will be an extension of your home. That the way you were raised and, you know, your, the, the things that you learn is automatically, you know, the way that you, that you will live out your life. And I want you to know, if you come from that kind of family, we, in, we believers of Jesus think there is nothing further from the truth. All right? That it doesn't matter, it doesn't matter about your family. Your life and your future are not defined by your genetics or the, or the behaviors of your family. Amen? We don't believe that. So if you have a weird family tree, if you look at your family tree and go, that's a bunch of nuts. All right? Well, then you can start a new branch on the family tree, one that is one of godliness and righteousness and good works and service to God. You can start your own branch on your family tree. If your family history is all bad, then you yourself can write a new chapter in the history of your family, one of godliness and righteousness and and good works. So I just want you to know, Josiah came out of an evil family, a terrible family. Now, 2 Kings 22.1, it says, Josiah was eight years old when he became king, and he reigned 31 years. Now, let me move to 2 Chronicles. So 1 and 2 Kings, 1 and 2 Chronicles are contemporary versions of the same historical record. So 2 Chronicles, I'm going to read you something about Josiah out of 2 Chronicles. Okay, 2 Chronicles 34.3 So he comes out of this evil family. He becomes king at eight years of age, okay? In the eighth year of his reign. He's eight. He's in the eighth year of his reign. How old is he? They weren't real sure, but you're right. You're right. He's 16 years of age. In the eighth year of his reign, while he was still young, he began to seek the God of his father, David, okay? I love this. He 
begin to seek. Nobody to encourage him. Nobody to, you know, walk the path with him. He started a generational change on his own, okay? Now, I want to just speak to young adults and teenagers for just, you know, for just a moment because I think this passage, we're going we're gonna to read more about him in just a moment. I think this passage is very important. So, for many of you, for many of you, you know, most of your life, your parents have been the one involved in your spiritual growth and development. They're the ones that kind of lead the way, they kind of set the pace. We're going to church, we're going to do, you know, be involved with this and that. You've been encouraged by your parents and, you know, uh, you know in, in godly things. But there comes a point where there's a handoff. In every part of life, okay, every part of life, you get to a point where you begin to accept responsibility, you know, for yourself. Now, there is no, nothing that brings more clarity to this moment to every parent than when we sit in the car the very first time with our 15-year-old at the driver's seat, okay? You know, and it's, you know, kind of a you know, kind of a passing of the torch. It's kind of, you know, when you're over there and they're over there and you start, you know, you start driving, you know, as you're shifting to adult responsibility. And I want to say to every kid who's 15-year-old, listen, we did not scream at you because we were mad, okay? We just did not want to die in a fiery collision, okay? So just, just keep that in mind, all right? But that's kind of the torch. It's just one of those examples of the torch being passed in you accepting adult behavior. And the same things happen, happens in the kingdom of God. Go back to that passage. It said, he began to seek the Lord. Listen to me. You are not grouped together by God just as a family member. You know, you, you know you're not just grouped together with your parents. God has a unique plan and destiny for you. And now is a good time to start to move out of the shadow of your parents and let God do something in your heart individually. Now is a good time for you to develop your own spiritual identity. Okay, He was 16 years of age. I think that's a good time for you to begin to kind of accept responsibility for your own spiritual life. You are getting ready for church. You are doing, you know, doing certain things. College students, and we want to welcome back our college students. Give them a hand. We're so glad that you are here. You've probably got your first homework assignment this weekend. And... Uh, But college students, especially for those of you that are out of town, all right, there's nobody here to get you out of bed to go to church, all right? That influence is gone, all right? There's nobody really that's going to be checking up on you on your devotions, what you do on Friday night, Saturday night, your moral beliefs or behavior, that is up to you now at this point. And some of you, some of you know that. And it is a time now because you're living apart from the spiritual influence of your family, it's time now for you to develop your own spiritual identity and go, hey, what does this faith thing mean to me? I want to say also, some of you may come out, you might be like Josiah, and you may come out you know, of a family, and you may have no spiritual background or spiritual heritage at all. You're the first one. 
you're the first one. Well, then I just want to say I'm proud of you. I'm proud of you. You may not have anybody applauding you in the background, checking up on you, praying for you, but I want you to know if you'll take that first step like David. He just began to seek the Lord. He didn't know a lot about it. He wasn't he was uncertain about a lot of things. There wasn't, you know, worship and church and things going on in his life. But he just started to take the steps. So I just want to say to you, if you come out of a household that has no spiritual support, then I want you to know I'm proud of you and you can make this. You can do this. Okay, give them a hand. Give them a hand. Some of them, they have no, no background at all. So it's time for you to develop your own spiritual identity. It's time for you to have your own devotional life. It's time for you, you, you know, like you have to be disciplined to study your schoolwork and those kind of things. It's time for you to develop, you know, how you're going to read the Bible, the frequency of you're going to read your Bible, prayer, worship. It's time for you to attend church and find a place of ministry. It's time for you to make that, you know, make that decision yourself. It's time for you to tithe and give financially. You're, you're, you're a, I'm a college student. I don't have any money. You just give $1. And you don't even have to give anything, but, it's, but that's part of kind of our faith growth. That's, that's, it's time for you to find, find the plan and the call of God upon your life, okay? You're not just an entity within your family. You are a unique, uh, unique creation that God wants to do something in your life. And Josiah, when he was 16, he started to take responsibility for his own spiritual life. So I want to challenge you this morning. This is your moment College students, this is your moment. High school students, this is your moment. Second uh, Timothy 2 says, Flee the evil desires of youth. Pursue righteousness, faith, and love and peace, along with those who call out on the Lord with a pure heart. Great passage for teenagers and young adults. It says, Flee evil, get rid of the junk. It won't help you. It won't serve you. It will only be a snare to you. And it says pursue righteousness. Follow. Become more like Christ. And then it says along with those who call out to God with a pure heart. Then there's community. Flee evil. Pursue righteousness. And do it within the context of community. People that are kind of pulling the same way. Josiah, 2 Kings 2.2. It says he did what was right. He did what was right in the eyes of the Lord and followed completely the ways of his father David, not turning his side to the left or the right. Okay, he did what was right. Now, let me, let me qualify that just, just a little bit. He did what was right, all right? And that's, that's, a, great, that's a great start, but it's not always where we want to end spiritually just doing what is right because there are times as a believer that things can be going well for you, but you can just kind of get in church routine. Just kind of, I don't commit any big sins. <clears throat> not out on the weekend, not doing things. I'm kind of kind of go to church and not doing really bad things, and just I'm connected here, and uh, you know, like you can just if you're not careful. You can do what's right. You can just kind of ride on the spiritual momentum of other people if you're not careful, okay, if you're not careful. Is that you? You're connected to all aspects of, of public worship in the church. But maybe the internal 
personal part of that is lacking just a bit. It's not about your public connection with the church, but your private devotion to Jesus. They're two separate things. Amen? All right? So we can tell because sometimes, you know, are we spiritually minded? Do we have thoughts of the things of God? Sometimes they don't come first nature to us. We don't think about his word, church, anything else. Our mind is maybe given over to carnality, but we have good attendance. We serve a lot, but we pray little. We attend regularly, but we worship infrequently. We give generously, but we read God's word sporadically. It does, there, now, this doesn't mean you're a terrible believer. But we we want to start there. But I, I'm also saying to you, there may be some other things that God wants to do. And you'll see that in jo, Josiah's life. He started by just doing things right. And I'm going, that's good, but there's more. There's more. And if we're not careful, let me say this to every person that goes here. We're not careful. We just start going through the motions. We just start going through the routine. We're connected to all public aspects of the church, but personally and privately, we're not connected with the Lord. We got to be careful on that. All right. So Josiah has his his come alive moment. Okay. So you read this in in Second uh, Kings two. So he's trying to. Do what is right in the eyes of the Lord. And as part of his administration as king, he wants to, you know, kind of remodel and redo some of the temple. Okay? So he sends uh, his priest into some of the back rooms of the temple to find money. They needed to pay the subcontractors and have money, you know, to, to do this renovation to the temple. So he sends his you know, since his high priest in to, to find the money, paperwork, all of that, you know, so that they can start this, they start this renovation, okay? So <clears throat> that's, you know, but while the priest is in there looking for money, he stumbles on something else. The law of the Lord. The law of the Lord. The Old Testament. The, the Ten Commandments. That whole written text, it had, you know, it, it had been ignored and relegated to some dusty room for generations through Manasseh and Amnon and all the years that they served. There was no reading of the law. There was no practicing of the law. And it was lost and hidden in some, of, some crazy, you know, some crazy back room. The law, the scriptures were ignored, and then they were forgotten. The law and the scriptures were ignored, and then they were forgotten. There was a point that somebody said, we don't want this stuff. Go put it in the back room. It's in the back room of the temple. The whole temple that's created for worship of God. It's the, even the priest that finds it. He's, he's not even aware of, of, what's, of what's going on. And it's lost. It's, and then it's ignored. When this happens, 
when the Bible is ignored, it doesn't mean that there's anything that's changed about the power of God's word, okay? When, when this happens, when it's lost to us, and then it's ignored, there's still power of God's word that we are missing when we access. There are promises that are not fulfilled. There is sin that is not exposed. There is righteousness that is not achieved. There is spiritual power that is untapped. There is spiritual growth that is unreached. There is direction for our lives that are ignored. There are callings that are unheard. And there are lost that are going to be in eternity unnecessarily when we lose and we ignore the word. I'm going to tell you something. This is a life-changing book here. This just isn't a book of history. This is a book of spiritual power breathed by the very essence of God, you know, through, through time. And it sat lost. All the promises unfulfilled. And I want to say to you, is the Bible lost in your life? Is it ignored you know where it's at. It's in some back room. It's some app that hasn't even been updated in so long because you haven't, you haven't, you know, even opened it. Is the law of God, is it lost and ignored in our own lives? So they find this book. The high priest finds this law of the Lord while he's looking for, he's looking for money in the treasury. And he takes it. He takes it to um, Josiah's private secretary. And his private secretary comes to Josiah and he says, Hey, funny thing. We were going through these back rooms and we came across this book, 2 Kings 2, 10 and 11. It said, Then Shapin the secretary informed the king, Hilka the priest has given me a book. And Shapin read it in the presence of the king. And when the king heard the words of the book of the law, he tore his robe, which means, in effect, he just realized his own, his own sin. When he heard the reading of the word for the very first time, he was broken and he was moved. And this moment when he reads God's word starts up, a revolution in, in his own life and in the, the kingdom of Judah. When the scripture was read to him, it came alive to him. Listen to me. There is a part of your spiritual makeup and nature that cannot thrive or grow without the word of the Lord. Josiah wasn't bad. He was doing the best he could with what he knew. But this word, the power of this word, opened up something in his life and started a spiritual transformation that affected the entire kingdom. We need God's word in our life. Jesus was a student of the scripture. He was a student of the scripture. He quoted the Word. Jesus quoted the Word. He quotes the Old Testament 48 times in 13 different books. This is before it's all put together like this. It was all on scrolls. It wasn't together. Man, when you were memorizing Scripture back then, that was a much more difficult thing than today. But 
48 times out of 13 books, Jesus said, Man shall not live by bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Jesus preached the word, Mark 2, 2. And he said, and he preached the word to them. There was a public declaration of the principles in, in this book. Jesus warned about not knowing the word, Matthew 22. He said, you are in error because you do not know the scriptures or the power of God. He said, you don't, you don't even know these things. And then Jesus displayed a blessed life from having the word. Mark 4, he said, and some other seed fell on good soil. And it came up and grew and produced a crop. And multiplying 30, some 60, and some 100 times. So the chief cornerstone of our faith, all right, read the word, he preached the word, he, he challenged us to know the word and said your life is going to be blessed when you have the word of the Lord in your life. I love this quote. Um, one of my favorite books is Celebration of Disciplines from Robert Foster. I love it. It's a classic. If you've never read it, you need to get it. Here's what he says. Many Christians remain in bondage to fears and anxiety simply because they do not avail themselves of the study of Scripture. They may be faithful in church attendance and earnest in fulfilling their religious duties, and still they are not changed. They may sing with gusto, pray in the Spirit, live as obediently as they know, and yet the tenor of their lives remains unchanged. Why? Because they've never taken up one of the central ways that God uses to change us, study. Jesus made it unmistakably clear that the knowledge of the truth will set us free. John 8, 32. You will know the truth and the truth will set you free. I want to tell you again, this is not just a book of ancient history. This is a transformational book that will touch your life when you read, study, and know its precepts. So do you want to know God better? Everyone does. Everyone does. There is no knowledge of the Lord that comes apart from God's Word. You can know His character, His nature. You can learn more about Jesus. Do you want to hear from God? There's no clear direction in any way that doesn't come from, uh, 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 from the Word of God. Wisdom, direction, and clarity. So I want to encourage you. Let's be people of the Word. Reading God's Word brings understanding to our lives, brings repentance, and continued spiritual growth to your life. I can't tell you how many times I've read through this book. I don't always read it, Genesis to Revelation, like I'm doing now. But I can't tell you how many times that I've read this book. And I want to say, I'm still amazed at the things that I learn from this book. And I've been reading it and studying it and preaching it a long time. If you think, man, I've read it all. I've read it all. I've learned everything. You are missing it because there is still, there are still things that will just blow your mind, the precepts that are in this book. We believe as a church, the Assemblies of God, that the Scriptures, both Old and New Testament, are verbally inspired of God. And they are the revelation of God to man, the infallible, authoritative rule of faith and conduct. We believe that. The Bible is our all-sufficient rule of faith 
in practice. The principles of this book are eternal and do not change, bend, or alter due to what is popular or convenient. And this church says a big amen. We don't negotiate with this. Sitting about being focused, tested. Well, that's kind of old. You know, that should be done away with. That should be modified. That should be, you know, brought up to date. No. This word stands on its own. And those that stand on this word, Jesus said, when the winds come, you know, when the rains come, those that are founded upon this book, they will stand in the midst of adversity. Reasons why. Christians don't read the Bible, okay? We have more access to the Bible than we've ever had, and we have greater biblical literacy than we've ever had, okay? Why don't? Well, some say it's hard to understand. Context, and I'll talk about that in just a second. You know, and I want to say, too, I think that's a myth. It's not really hard to understand when you approach it correctly, but that's what some people say. It's, It's hard to understand. It was written a long time ago. It's impractical. You know, it's just, it's not, it's not for my daily life. I don't have time. Priority, okay? So people kind of turn it off for one of those few reasons. But I want to remind you this morning that any message or direction that God speaks to you in your life will come from the framework of Scripture. We got too many people out there today that are self-appointed prophets, They got all kinds of ministries and social media pages and what they are saying are not tied to this word or have any accountability in their life. You want to know what God says to you? He says it in this book. Every message of God will come from the framework of of that book. So I want you to get in the habit of reading, reading the Bible. If you don't, start this week. Start Today, Psalms 19 says, The law of the Lord is perfect, refreshing the soul. The statutes of the Lord are trustworthy, making wise the simple. There is a blessing from reading God's Word. Now, I just want to be practical just for a few minutes, okay? I want to just talk to you about reading the Bible and, you know, kind of maybe how we approach that. So let me give you some hopefully helpful ideas when it comes to reading the Bible. What do I read? What do I read? There's a couple ways that you can approach this. You can go, Lord, hey, what do you want me to read? There may be something that God lays on your heart. There may be a a book, you know, that that you're drawn to. Or you can, you know, read what interests you or what you're curious about. You know, you can follow that as well. There's always a blessing and a benefit to read the word of the Lord. But I want to say this to you too. For those that go that it's hard, all right. The more you read, the easier it becomes. Okay, the more you read, the easier it becomes. So it may start a little intimidating, but stay faithful with that because kind of the more you read, you kind of build this knowledge. And then, man, before long, you know, it's just it unfolds itself much easier. So study the Bible. And here's a couple of different a few different ways. Do book studies. Do book studies. Now, if you're not reading at all. I want to recommend three books to you. Here's here's my recommendation for how you to start, okay? The book of Mark, the book of Acts, and Philippians, okay? The book of Mark, the book of Acts, and Philippians. If you're not reading at all, 
And you're like, where would I start? That is my recommendation to you. It is the gospel, the life of Jesus. It is the, the, the early church, of the book of Acts in Philippians that's, that we're doing as our devotional this week. I think it's just one of the most, the, those three are really foundational if you are beginning in your reading. So you can do book studies. You can do biographical studies. Do you like certain people of the Bible? You can start studying their life. Uh, Joshua, Caleb, John the Baptist. You can pick a person. And start reading, start reading their life. You can do a biographical study. You can do a word study. Grace, sin, forgiveness. You can just study by word and learn, learn concepts, you know, uh, that, that go with that. Okay, so just start. Just start in your readings. But I want to say to you, understand the context or the setting of what you're reading. Like to me, this is the biggest thing that people miss when they read the Bible. Not really grasping the context or the, the, the history of this thing. And I think people really make the Bible difficult because they don't do kind of any pre-reading or pre-studying. Context is everything when it comes to reading the Bible. <clears throat> so last year, we, we were going to Tampa. Becky, Kayla, and I, and, I, and uh, my, my cousin, we were going to Tampa. Spend the weekend, all right? And everybody was going, you got to go to the Columbia restaurant. The Columbia restaurant. You got to have the salad. Who recommends a salad? You know, like, I don't go to any restaurant based on the salad. I promise you that. You got to have the salad. So almost everybody, you know, you got to go to the Columbia. It's in Ybor City. You got to have the salad. So we go and we <clears throat> sit down and, you know, uh, okay, we'll have the salad, and, you know, uh, then we kind of ordered an entree. So normally, they bring out the salad in bowls. Ah, not the Columbia. They bring it out on a table, all of the ingredients. It's not pre-mixed, okay? They bring it to the side table, and the lady says, I want to tell you the story of the history of the salad, which I almost laughed out loud, you know, <laughs> like, what? They just put the lettuce in the bowl and give me some ranch, you know. So, <clears throat> very animated. She starts telling the story. She's got all of her ingredients over here. We are over here. She starts telling the story of Ybor City in Tampa. She starts telling the history of the restaurant, which is an old restaurant, and how all the ingredients of the salad tied back to this great restaurant. And she is building this salad. She is animated. She is telling us the story, you know, about this great salad, how the dressing is put together. And she's building this thing right before our eyes. And I want to tell you, it was pretty amazing. You know, like she put that salad in front of me and I just want to go. It was amazing. It was amazing. I would door dash it if it did not cost me $500. I would do that. It was that good. <clears throat> but part of that was just kind of, I'm like, wow. This is just not a bag of lettuce and a little cheese and some ranch. There's a whole story to this thing. And, and the context of even something as silly as the salad, just the historical setting of that, man, it just, it just made it just made the moment, all right? It was amazing. And then I got the bill, <clears throat> you know, 
And I realized I had paid for a salad and a Broadway show to go along with that as well. It was a full presentation of a salad, and that wasn't cheap, you know, but, uh, but it was great. So I just want to say to you, I think reading the Bible becomes more difficult if you don't understand the context of what you're reading, or it be, can become easier based on what, you know, what you know historically about each book. So, uh, find an introduction, an explanation to each book of the Bible, and it will help you better understand the context. Things like who wrote it, uh, when did they write it, the time, what was happening when it was written, and why was it written. Those things are very important to understanding this. Now, most Bibles have this at the beginning. I brought my study Bible. This is the one I do my study. It never leaves my office. I don't take it with me, you know, except today, and it will go straight back. But, you know, it uh, it it has that at the beginning of every it has that at the beginning of every book. Also, this book, know your Bible. It is a quick introduction to every book that you will read. It will help this thing, you know, kind of unlock itself to you as well. Also, go on YouTube. It's called The Bible Project. It is a six to eight minute video introduction of every Bible. I include it on every Fuel 15 when I encourage you to read. So understand the context of what you're reading. I think it's a very simple thing that people miss. Other helpful thoughts. Consider reading more than one chapter at a time, okay? Uh, sometimes, you know, reading several chapters, the context, and uh, especially like some Bible stories are more than one chapter, some teachings are more than one chapter. So when we're doing like a chapter a day and then we miss a few days, sometimes we miss that continuity that comes. But that's just, you know, that's, that's up to you. Do, do what you can. Listen to audio of the scriptures being read. I do this when I read my Bible. I open my Bible and I read it. And then I turn on the audio part of that and, and I have somebody read it, you know, on the audio part of that as I'm reading. And what it does and maybe you read differently. I read way too fast. Especially stories that I've read many times in the Bible, I start skimming. I'm not reading. I'm skimming because I know how this story is going to end. This slows me down. And, you know, it, uh, you know it, it reads. You know, he has different emphasis. The reader does as well. And it's made me a better Bible student. But that's just a tip to you. And then also another tip, when you pick the voice, get a British accent, okay? That's what Jesus spoke, right? All the movies, he's British. Just give some Holy Land authoritative quality to that. So that's just a, you know, that's just a thought. Also, find a Bible with study notes in it. This is my, it's a life in the spirit Bible. It is written from a spirit-filled perspective, and it's got notes. It answers questions. It, it is kind of like a commentary. So I love this Bible, and I've had it probably 15 years, and I don't take it, you know, out of my office. But find a Bible that has some kind of study notes or by commentaries that go along with it. Version devotionals, sometimes they will have, you know, they will have information that goes along with this as well. Another helpful tip, underline, highlight, and write notes in your Bible. Feel free to do it. When I read online, you know, I underline and I save it. But most of the time when I read, I don't read without a pen. 
I put notes in the margin. I underline things. I, you know, uh, and, and also you, you can journal. You can take these things and put it in a journal because I believe this too. If God shows you something, it might be important enough for you to write it down, underline it, and remember it. Okay, so pull out the pen, the highlighter, however you read, underline things. And then there are times like when I go to read a book, especially out of this Bible, I go back before I read through the book, I read through my notes. I just go see what I've underlined, what God spoke to me before. So uh, do that. Study with other people. Study with other people, okay? And, and I've, I've told you, we do this as a staff. On Wednesday and Monday, we sit right around here, and we read a chapter of the Bible <clears throat> together. We're reading through 2 Kings. It's funny because our, our reading this week was Josiah. I already had my message. I just want to say that. I already had my message. But then we just, we read it and we just kind of go around and we go, hey, what stood out to you? Like what got your attention? And I want to tell you, I have a, a, a theology degree, but I learn from this group because everybody sees things differently. Things step out, you know, kind of jump off the page. And I learn immensely from my from my group. So study, you know, study with other people. There are easy ways to do this. There are connect groups that are coming up. It's a great way to study. Grab some people, go to a coffee shop, do the same thing, read a chapter and just go, what is, what stands out to you? It's not right or wrong. It's just kind of what got your attention. You can do it by text or email or Google Docs or FaceTime, you know, just read the same passage with someone and discuss what, what you read. Also, read in different translations, if that helps you. I've read most of my adult life in the NIV. I feel like I have most of it kind of burned in my brain in the NIV. So it is helpful to me sometimes when I read from the New Living Translation or the message. It just kind of changes. So just kind of change things up a little bit. Read through a different translation. If you're not a reader, if you're not a reader, or you do things more online, watch The Chosen. Watch The Chosen, okay? I've seen every version of The Chosen. It's got The Chosen app. You can find it probably on YouTube. An unbelievable resource to learning about the life of Jesus. And I realize, too, before you say it, they do take some creative license on some things that we're uncertain of, but I've never found anything that I've felt was unbiblical, and we do it, we use it in a small group. Watch The Chosen. I promise it'll be a blessing. It'll be a blessing to you. The Bible app, I mean, if, how many of you have the Bible app on your phone? Raise your hand. Yeah, look at that. The Bible app. It's free. 500 million downloads of unique, uh, unique devices. It's got different translations. It can do, you know, different things for you. Women, the first five women's Bible study and devotional, you can sign up uh, for that. BibleGateway.com. There's probably not a day that goes by that I don't use Bible Gateway, okay? It is my go-to online study. I was on it this morning, okay? BibleGateway.com. Uh, and it's also, you know, it's got an audio Bible, you know, kind of you're visually impaired, you know, that, that can help you there. You version daily scripture. There's all kinds of things that you can use to bring God's word alive. But, okay, but what we need is for you just to clear a little time out, you know, regularly throughout the week. I say at least four times a week, minimal. But we need to understand, concentrate, analyze, focus, comprehend, reflect, and draw conclusions. 
I, I'm not just reading to get a star at the end of the chapter, okay? This isn't, you know, you know this, this, this is something that, that we want to comprehend. So I'm saying as you're reading, you're thinking as well, all right? And I, and I want to say this, all right? Bible, uh, back to the Bible, surveyed, it's a minister, they surveyed 400,000 people. And they found that, it, that there is a huge change in people's lives when they read the Bible at least four times throughout the week, okay? This is what they found. If you read the Bible at least four times a week, you are 407% more likely to memorize Scripture, 228% more likely to share your faith with others, 59% less likely to view pornography because it has this cleansing effect. Worship team, you guys can come. 30% less likely to struggle with loneliness. Those are just some things that they found reading. So I just want to go, let's be people of the Bible. Let's be people of the word. Let's be people that read. You know, not every. Th- you need more than what you just get on Sunday morning. You need to, you need to read. So, Josiah, then they read the book. Second Kings uh, says, <clears throat> and this, this is what he said: Go inquire of the Lord for me and the people, and for all Judah, what is written in this book that has been found. Great is the Lord's anger that burns against us, because those who have gone before us have not obeyed the words of this book. They've not acted in accordance of all that is written concerning us. So he realizes that in his own life. And then he just started all those temples, you know, those altars in the temple, they are gone. All of those spiritists, they are gone. All those detestable practices, just that reading, it was transformative personally and publicly. And then as he read two, it says, the king gave the order to the people to celebrate the Passover to the Lord as written in the book, excuse me, as written in the book of the covenant. All right. They hadn't been even celebrating Passover. So now he's walking He's eliminating evil things, but he's walking into the fullness of God. He's learning growth. They're celebrating Passover. They started celebrating the, uh, the, the Jewish festivals again. So, man, this, this book <clears throat> can help drive evil from our heart, but it can, also walk us, it can also walk us into growth as well. So I, I want to encourage you, all right? Be people of the Word. No, don't, don't be one of these that the Bible is ignored and lost in your own life. I believe the Bible, I listen to preaching, okay? There's more. There's more. We want to be people and students. We want to be students of the Word. And, and the story of Josiah, it concludes with this, 2 Kings 23, 5. It says, Never before or after Josiah was there a king like him who turned to the Lord as he did. With all of his heart, with all of his soul, with all of his strength, in accordance with all the law of Moses. Wow, that's powerful. He found that book. And man, he began to make some changes in his life as well. This morning, we're going to end with the word, okay? We're going to uh, have some scriptures up on the screen. We're going to pray pray God's word. We're going to put some scriptures up on the screen. And those that are going to help me this morning, I want you, I want you to come. We're going to 
put some scriptures up on the screen, and then we're going to pray those prayers because it's not just, there are principles there, you know, this word, and it just, it opens our prayer life as well. Come on up on the stage. Come on up on the stage. So they're going to put scriptures up on the screen. These people are going to come read that passage. And then we're going to pray those passages together. It's the power, the power of God's word. So we're going to start. Lamar, come on. The word of the Lord in Psalms 51, verses 1 through 12. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your steadfast love. According to your abundant mercy, blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions and my sin is ever before me. Against you, you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight so that you may be justified in your words and blameless in your judgment. Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity and in sin my mother did conceive me. Behold, you delight in truth in the inward being, and you search and you teach me wisdom in the secret heart. Purge me with hyssop, and with I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones that you have broken rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and blot out all my iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from your presence, and take not your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation, and uphold me with a willing spirit. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we come to you, we come to the throne of righteousness and holiness and pray this morning that you would give and extend your mercy we pray for your mercy to cleanse our hearts the inward and the outward you're good you're good you forgive because you are righteous and holy that's who you are and you have invited everyone to come to put their trust and believe in your Son, Jesus Christ. First John chapter 1, verse 9 says, If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Father, not only do I need forgiveness and cleansing, but I need restoration. Not only have I committed acts of unrighteousness, but sin is ingrained in my very being. I need forgiveness and cleansing, but that's not enough. I need renewal. I need the Holy Spirit. I need a restoration to your favor, a return to the joy and gladness. Father, I pray, give me a willing spirit, a spirit that delights in obeying you a spirit that delights in your word, a spirit that is happy and does not consider obedience a burden, 
but a joy in the relationships and living in your presence. Let your goodness and mercy follow me all the days of my life. In your son's name we pray. Good morning. Um, I'm reading out of the New Living Translation this morning, and I wanted to um, point out the context, not to steal from Pastor Brian. I was going to say that anyway, but um, Paul is speaking to God's people. This, this is focused on the church of Ephesus. That's who this scripture is, is talking to. I have not stopped thanking God for you. I pray for you constantly, asking God, the glorious Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, to give you spiritual wisdom and insight so that you might grow in your knowledge of God. I pray that your hearts will be flooded with light so that you can understand the confident hope that he has given to those he has called, his holy people who are his rich and glorious inheritance. I also pray that you will understand the incredible greatness of God's power for those who believe him. So Father God, you're speaking to your people. You're telling us, Lord, what we have in you. You tell us that we are your rich and glorious inheritance. Lord, you give us light, God, to flood our hearts. Lord, in, in the darkness of our lives, God, your word, your presence, um, you flood us with light. You don't give us just a small candle, God. You overwhelm us. You flood us, Father God. Lord, I pray that we will take this light, Father God, that we will seek out your wisdom, Lord, your insight, God, Lord, because you've called us to grow in our knowledge of you, God. We thank you for your word. We thank you for your Holy Spirit, which helps us to grow, Father God. Lord, I pray that as the church, we will encourage one another, God, that we will pray for one another, God. Lord, that we will lift up, God, those around us, God, and that we will thank, thank you for them. God, the way Paul called out that he has not stopped thanking God for the church. Lord, I pray that we will not stop thanking you for those that surround us. Lord, we just thank you so much for your word that you've given us, that leads us, that guides us. Lord, it sets, it sets what we walk on, what we stand on. Lord, it starts the floor that we grow from. Lord, we know we're in a steady and strong place, God, a, a dependable place, Lord when we use your word, God, Lord, is that, is that place? Lord, we just thank you for this in Jesus name. All right. So I'm going to be reading out of the, uh, Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before my before me in the presence of, of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, and my cup overflows. 
Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Lord, thank you for your provision that pours out on us abundantly more than we deserve, provision that leads us to places of rest where we can encounter you and find rest in your presence and your goodness. In you does our soul find rest, and in you alone do we have any hope of righteousness. Lord, you restore us unto yourself for your name's sake, so that we might be able to dwell with you eternally. Lord, we thank you for the sweetness of your presence and the guidance of your Holy Spirit. Though we live in dark times when people love evil and rise up against us, by your Spirit, we say that we are not afraid. We know our shepherd is might your might, your power, and your love for us. And we take confidence that against every power and principality that rises up against us, you protect us. You save our souls for your name's sake. And so, Lord, we know that you will never fail us. We trust in you, Lord, and we take comfort in your correction whenever we err and whenever we go aside to the right or the left that you will guide us back to you. And Lord, we know that we have you have good things set in store for us in the future and that we will eventually get to save, see your face and dwell with you eternally. And that is what we all desire. In your name we pray. Amen. I'm going to be reading from Psalms 91. This is a prayer of protection. And it says, Whoever dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. Surely he will save you from the fowler's snare and from the deadly pestilence. He will cover you with his feathers and under his wings you will find refuge. His faithfulness will be your shield and rampart. You will not fear the terror of night, nor the arrow that flies by day, nor the pestilence that stalks in the darkness, nor the plague that destroys at midday. A thousand may fall at your side, 10,000 at your right hand, but it will not come near you. You will only observe with your eyes and see the punishment of the wicked. If you say the Lord is my refuge and you make the most high your dwelling, no harm will overtake you. No disaster will come near your tent, for he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. They will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. You will tread on the lion and the cobra. You will trample the great lion and the serpent. Because he loves me, says the Lord, I will rescue him. I will protect him, for he acknowledges my name. He will call on me, and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him with long life, and I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. Can you just pray that with me this morning? Can you pray a prayer of protection over your kids and your family and your household? Come on, let's just pray together. Lord, we thank you for the reminder this morning that you are our strong tower, God, that you are our safe place, our refuge. Lord, that when the storm is raging all around us, Lord, when the situation seems so overwhelming, we can call upon the name of Jesus and you hear our cry. 
And so, Lord, we just call upon your name today, God, and we are asking for your protection. God, we are asking for your divine protection over our lives, over our children, over our families, over the marriages. God, we are asking for your protection. God, we recognize that this world, there is so much sin. There's so much evil. Lord, we recognize that there is a real enemy seeking to destroy us. But Lord, we stand on your word today. God, we stand in faith that we have the authority of Jesus in us, that we will not fear, that we will not be afraid. But Lord, we will stand our ground full of faith, God, knowing, God, that you hear us. God, knowing that you are working things out on our behalf. So Lord, we just thank you for that we thank you God we thank you that your word says that you will send your angels to guard us and so we pray that right now Lord that you would release angels Lord to go before us and protect us Lord that no harm will come near our home no sickness no disease will touch us but Lord that there would just be divine protection over our lives in the name of Jesus and Lord, we just claim your victory today. We claim your victory today over our lives, over our family, over our situations, whatever we are facing, Lord, we will not be afraid, but we speak victory today in the mighty name of Jesus, amen. I'm gonna read the prayer of Jabez. It says, it's in First Chronicles 4.10 and says, Jabez cried out to the God of Israel, Oh, that you would bless me and enlarge my territory. Let your hand be with me and keep me from harm so that I will be free from pain. And God granted his request. Let's pray. God, we're so thankful. Lord, we're thankful that you hear us when we call to you. We thank you that we can come to you in our time of need and present our request to you and you hear us. So God, we pray a prayer of blessing over our lives. We know that you haven't called us to an easy life, but you promised provision. And so we pray that you would bless us, bless our families, bless our homes. We know that you will supply all of our needs according to your riches and glory. And so we pray provision over our homes. We pray provision over our finances. We pray provision over our families. God, we pray that you would enlarge our territory, our sphere of influence. We pray that you would open doors for our church to have a greater impact for your kingdom. We know that the harvest is ripe, but the laborers are few. And so we pray that you would draw our hearts as laborers to your mission and expand our reach to our hurting community and world around us through the power of your Holy Spirit, that your name would be made known to the ends of the earth. God, we pray that you would be with us, that your right hand would sustain us, that you would go before us and that we would be led by your spirit. We pray that you would direct our paths. We pray that you would draw near to us as we draw near to you. And God, we don't know what tomorrow holds, but we know who holds tomorrow. So we're trusting you for every step. We pray that you would sustain our lives so that we can fulfill the plans and purposes that you have for us. And God, we pray for those here today that may be facing trials and discouragements of many kinds. We know that the enemy wants to steal, kill, and destroy, but we know that no weapon formed against us will prosper. 
So we pray that you would be our strength, that you would go before us in the midst of our situations, and that you would make a way when there seems to be no way. We pray that you would guard our hearts and protect us from every evil, both seen and unseen. And we pray that we would see a victory through our circumstances as we follow your leading. Amen. In 2 Chronicles chapter 7, this is God speaking to Solomon after the dedication of the great temple that Solomon had made. I want to read in chapter 7, verse 14. If my people who are called by my name humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their land. It's a great promise, but it has a precondition. Let's pray. Father, thank you, Lord, for all the promises that we've heard here today. How you are our strength and you are our savior. You're our healer and our refuge. Lord, our land is in trouble today. God, as we turn to you, Lord, help us to realize that we cannot do things on our own. We must turn to you. Lord, we forgive us for our sins. Forgive us when we've turned to our own ways, when we've done what was right in our own eyes instead of yielding ourselves to you. Father, we pray for your healing throughout our land today. Bring your people back to you. In Jesus' name, amen. So, I believe this book is a transformational book. We are not created to exist and grow as believers apart from the word of the Lord. Do not let this book be hidden, lost, and ignored in your life. And I think you can have kind of the same experience Josiah had when you, when you make, it, make it part of your life. So um, I, I, want, I want to remind you there are resources out there. They're all free. Anything, if they're out, I'll give you anything up here. Get your Philippians devotion. I'll give you anything but my iPad and this Bible, okay? I always bring this Bible to the pulpit, but I never read out of it. This is my pulpit Bible because it can make an extension of my preaching fingers. So, uh, but this is where the work gets done here. So, uh, so let me just say, if you're a person I've never really read or I've been out of habit, start this afternoon. Start this afternoon. Mark, you know, get your Philippians devotion. Acts, message me. Go, hey, will you pray with me? I want to be a part of that journey. I promise I won't, I won't get on you. I'm happy. We want to be people of the word. Be people of the word. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Generations Church Podcast. We hope you enjoyed the message today and pray God's greatest blessings on you. For more information about Generations Church and its ministries, check out our webpage at gctlh.org or follow us on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and Twitter.